Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the latest edition of the First Arm Snapcast. I'm your host, Richard Butler, and joining me tonight is regular analyst Charles Clawson and a special guest tonight joining us from America's Super Bowl 45 winner, Jarrett Bush of the Green Bay Packers, of the Green Bay Packers. How's everyone doing? Doing great. Good, good, thanks. Uh, obviously, Jarrett, it's great to have you on the show tonight and taking up some time out of your, your busy life at the moment. Obviously, I know you've just had a Memorial Day weekend. Has that been all good for you? Yeah, everything's real good. Just uh, got a good night's sleep, and uh, it's a beautiful day outside. And uh, just looking forward to you know getting outside with with my kiddos. And uh, my oldest has a softball game later on today, so I look forward to seeing that and uh, just enjoying the Memorial Day weekend, celebrating uh, the military and um, the sacrifices and dedication that they that they gave and uh, to honor this weekend. Excellent, excellent. So let's get straight into it now, Jared. So. You're a Californian boy and attended, uh, might, might say this wrong, um, Vacaville C.A. Wood High School, is that correct? Yeah, Vacaville uh, and Busty Wood High School, yes. And um, you played both wide receiver and defensive back that during your time at high school. Uh, did you Was there a position you preferred? Was it defensive always or did you enjoy being a bit of a wide receiver? Were you a bit fast at that yeah. back then? Yeah, definitely enjoyed, uh, definitely enjoyed both. Receiver, I always looked up, uh, looked up to Jerry Rice and Michael Irvin um, because they they were the glory position. They were uh, very uh, very much a highlight position as well as um, very animated characters. Um, the work ethic of Jerry Rice and as well as the work ethic of Michael Irvin definitely show and I could relate a lot. And um, you know when they made plays, it definitely like they they love to celebrate, and uh, it was something that. 
it definitely you saw the work ethic and you, you saw the rewards show through that whole process so yeah definitely two, definitely two characters I've been to an NFL UK event in the UK Michael Irving was one of the guests and he's definitely a character yeah good <laughs> <laughs> He's, um, he's definitely um, a lot, has a lot of enthusiasm and it definitely played a huge role into his football and as well as his success, right? Um, throughout some of the failures and some of the struggles, he never lost that enthusiasm. I think it plays a huge role in his commentating now. Yeah, he's definitely one of the more passionate commentators, I believe, an analyst out there as well. When you see him on a show, you want to listen to everything he's got to say. As much as animated with all his arm movements, right. he, he, speaks a good, he speaks a good point normally. He does. He does. Um, so I've got. I've, I've got a question to ask about the uh, the, the fact that it, is it quite unusual to get to the level that you did and still be a wide receiver, stroke defensive back? Because they seem like to me mutually exclusive. Say say that again. What was your question? Well, to be to get to the position you did when you're playing in the NFL, mm-hmm. and you, you you've got the ability to be a wide receiver. Or a defensive back. Yeah, is is that is that a, a blessing, or does it does it make it harder for you when you're actually when you're actually starting to play? It was, it was definitely a blessing because you understood the offensive side of the ball, and so you were able to kind of turn around and like, okay, this is what I'm trying to defend. This is as a receiver knowing what route I want, how I want to manipulate the defense back to get what I want so the quarterback can throw me the ball. Understanding what the quarterback and quarterback sees as well was was huge just because you're on the again you're on the offensive side of the ball before you switch over. And so I think just one of the key factors of being the defensive back was understanding that you're playing backwards, knowing that they're trying to get behind you and knowing how to defend that. But with my athleticism already kind of just being blessed and just kind of honing that skill and making sure just I was able to understand the full, full grasp the full um, mindset of being the defensive back, um, which allowed me to kind of excel. Um, basically knowing, knowing what the defense, knowing where my help was behind me, the safety, the safety is crucial when you're a corner and you're out there by yourself one-on-one on the island. And so knowing, again, knowing where your help is was, was, was huge as well as some of the linebackers, and knowing what their what what their job entailed, and then just go out there and play ball at the end of the day, knowing that the ball was up in the air is a you, you want to be greedy, go up and get the ball type mentality. Um, just like you're going to get a rebound from a, in the basketball game and and bring it down. You know, you definitely have to be greedy out there when the ball's out in the air. Um, but it, it definitely when my coach asked me to switch, I was kind of like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, like man, I'm a receiver. Like I'm you know trying to be like Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin. And he was like, well. He was like, JB, you know, I was short for Jared Bush. And he was like, you know, receivers are now like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", nowadays. And he was like, well, defensive backs, right, they're, you know, they're a little bit shorter. They tend to be. Ten, the tendency is more like 5'7", 5'8", 5'9", and you're six foot. And so being a six-foot corner, you know, a lot of scouts and, and college scouts were looking for that six-foot corner to match up against that 6'5", six, 6'4", six, receiver, just a better matchup. And so it seemed to work out. You know, I listened to my mentors and, and making a, a career move and decision. And, you know, they were right, man. I, I got I to hand it to them, Coach Lawrence and, and some of my coaches. They, they were right. And I'm so glad and blessed that they steered me the right direction to guide me to to be able to play in the NFL and, uh, you know, to have this platform now today. 
But if, we, if we're being honest, it sounds like you're a little bit disappointed at first. I was, because even though it wasn't the exact route that I wanted to go, I think it was a little bit selfish, understand, in the sense of, like, knowing what this is what Jarrett wanted to do versus, like, this is what the gift has of, of the blessing that he's trying to give you. Maybe it's not in the exact direction that you want to go, but it's just, like, kind of this altered path you know, of getting to where I wanted to go. And that's okay. You know, at the end of the day, um, I helped my parents out financially with getting a scholarship and as well as, you know, being employed and, and playing for the Green Bay Packers and, again, have, making a great living and just knowing that I'm on my feet and able to provide for my family. And I think that's a blessing in itself. And knowing that you meet some great people along the way, great coaches to help you mentor and keep you focused and, um you you can't you can't be disappointed after that when you when you start seeing some of the direction and seeing the blessings that he puts you in and some of the the areas and the situations and uh, the environment that he puts you in. Uh, I think when you look at the blessings and you look at Joseph of the Bible, right? I'm pretty sure Joseph was pretty disappointed when he fell into the pit or when he was in prison, right? But ultimately, when he came out of it, right, he, he came second tier to the right to the Pharaoh and oversaw everything, the agriculture, the architect, everything. And so I think that's where the faith comes in, you know, just understanding and trust the process, trust the journey that he, that he puts you in. Is it all going to be happy and, and glitz and glamour? No, but at the end of the day, there's going to be so much more reward there and so much joy because you went through that, right? Because it's a process, it's taken through a process and um, you don't recognize it when you're in it, but when you come out of it, it's, it's definitely worth it. So I think it's just sticking to it and understanding there's a greater purpose behind it was, I think, the the, the, the lesson to learn there. That's a, uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic outlook you've got because I know that some players have been a bit like divas, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they'd be stamping the feet and saying, I am going to be a wide receiver. Right. Yeah, so, definitely. So it's, it's, it's good. It, that's very well explained, actually. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> uh, going back, obviously, uh, after high school, you went to Utah, obviously, to the, the draft came in 2006. Now, obviously, the draft came, unfortunately, you w- went undrafted. Yeah. How did that feel at the time when you, obviously, everyone expects to go in one of the rounds? How was that emotion at the time when you didn't get picked? Yeah, that was that was a lot of anxiety on draft day. I'm not gonna lie, that was that was a lot. I definitely feel that you hang on your your word of the agent and what the scouts are telling him and where you would where you fall within the slots of the draft. The agent, my agent Derek Fox at the time, he was telling me that I was going to be from the fourth round to being undrafted. And while you're sitting getting drafted, you see some of the players that you've seen that line up with the same attributes as you, whether whether it's height, weight, 40, the stats on the, on the stat sheet and where you where you fall in that in that realm. And I definitely feel that I was in amongst of the top echelon of those other defensive backs. And it was just frustrating since knowing that you're in the same category as this guy, even though this guy's getting drafted in the second, third round. So it was, it just, this huge chip on your shoulders became raised up knowing that, okay, when I do get my shot, 
I'm going to let everybody know that even though I went to a, um, a less competitive school, I went to Utah State, which is still Division One, but it's not like your Clemson, your Texas, your Florida States. So I think you get kind of knocked on the competition level. And so therefore, you know, the investment level, I guess, goes down because of that competition level. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the way where the business goes. So, but when I did get my, my opportunity and I signed undrafted to Carolina, I walked in with a huge chip on my shoulder knowing that I was going to make these guys know who Jared Bush was at the end of training camp. And, and I did. And so when I walked in signing, uh, I ended up signing a $20,000 contract was, is basically like a, a priority prioritized free agent and one of the top free agent guys that they signed. And when I walked in that first day to training camp, I was kind of just at awe when you walk in with John Fox, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, what was it? The raging Cajun, um, raging Cajun quarterback, got his name um but steve smith and there's a there's a ton of guys that you looked up to and you're kind of awe and right but then once you understood like hey man i belong here i belong to be in this this group of epsilon players and this this fine this fine um fine group of men that are playing football and once you once i felt that sense of belonging i mean it was just a matter of time just me getting getting opportunity and uh, showing what I could do but there was definitely a lot of a lot of anxiety leading up to that point because you wanted to prove your support your support system your family your friends your community that you know that you've been recognized on national level you know being selected at a draft pick and it was yeah there was there was some disappointment but I was relieved that even just that I had I had a next step I had a I had a next opportunity and uh, they called me uh, the Carolina Panthers and um, they said the contract and I signed it and away I went, you know, I started start going to work, started, you know, getting, going through drills and staying in shape and making sure that I was ready for training camp. Yeah. You were saying some big names in Carolina. There was a certain defensive Julius Peppers there. Was, was did, he ha- did he have any words of advice when you went through the doors? No, he was really a quiet guy, man. He was really a quiet, quiet dude. Not quiet on the field. <laughs> he wasn't quiet on the field. <laughs> he sure wasn't. I mean, he was a monster on the field, man. He was a beast. But he did lead by example. I think that's one thing, even though he didn't talk very much, he led by example by the way he carried himself, the way, the way he led, you know, he led his team, um, and especially in, in crucial, crucial situations on the football field where he would, he would bring along his teammates, like, come on. Like, let's go, like, follow me. Like, this is how we're going to get, you know, we're going to get to the promised land. And um, kind of a short story, like, so he definitely set the bar in, like, production as well. And so at, in, in the training camp, there's a production list, right? Like, it was, like, tackles, PBUs, force fumbles, fumble recoveries that are down, down the list. And by the end of the training camp, I was second on the, on the production list behind Julius Peppers. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm not upset with that. <laughs> I'm not upset upset at, with that at all. Because being an undrafted free agent and being out a lot of the other draft picks, I think that was a huge accomplishment. And I think, well, no one can ever take that away from me. And I always remember that. And uh, I ended up being released at the end of training camp anyways. They tried to put me on practice squad and Green Bay picked me up. And uh, here I am. Here I am today. Um, in Green Bay, I still reside here. And uh, it's where I raised my family. So, uh, it's again the blessing again like in through that disappointment of being released and being cut uh, I was very disappointed because I've, I had, had such a 
close bond with the Carolina Panthers and the players and uh, the um, and I wanted to be a Panther. And so it was this like, nope, this is not the direction. We're going to take you again on another direction, but still the direction that you want to go. But we're just going to just take this altered, altered direction. And uh, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more than what you're asking. And so I think that, again, that blessing, uh, you know, was definitely in disguise. I had no idea where Green Bay was. <laughs> and, uh, and when I landed, I just knew that they played football. And uh, again, um, the blessing took off again. So again, just a lesson, man, just, just stick to it and uh, understand that there's a, there's better to come out, come out of it and, um, and just persevere and just be ready for your opportunity. You know? Yeah. You I said- hope, Richard, I just got to say quickly, I hope if you didn't know where Green Bay was, I hope you packed a big coat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did, I did have a few coats just being um, playing in, in Utah state. Utah State was definitely a cold state to play, and uh, so I was definitely kind of I was groomed and pruned uh, playing that cold weather. So, uh, and then as soon as I landed, yes, I did. I, I bought me a, a nice big parka parka jacket, starter jacket, and I was ready to roll. I was ready to roll. So, uh, you know, playing in, in front of, front of Lambeau Field and the Packer fans was uh, it's a huge treat. And then playing with Brett Favre, which is a Hall of Fame name, um, that was a, that was a great treat. And then as well playing with Aaron Rodgers again. Um, playing with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I mean, there's there's nothing that could beat that and playing the great playing in the great city of Green Bay. Since since you mentioned Favre and Rogers, I've got to ask you the question: Who was better? Who do you think? Who do you think was better? You know what? That's Sorry to put you on the spot. No, yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough to say because we we were actually looking at the stats of the day, and I want to say Aaron Rodgers beats beats out Brett Favre with three MVPs, I think Brett has won. And the same amount of Super Bowls. And so they're kind of, they're kind of, they're, they're neck and neck. <laughs> if you count the MVPs, you got to give it to A-Rod. Yeah. I think Brett definitely had a, a different connection with the fans just because of who he was than A-Rod does. I, I definitely just feel that um, in the air with the fans and just the connection with the two. But if you if you amounts just the talent and the skill level, hmm, I think if you if you look at the skill level, I think Arod is definitely a little bit more refined. You know, you can't take away Brett Brett's ability just because he left it all out there, and that's what you, that's what you ask for a gladiator, a warrior mentality. And but Arod, I think definitely feel that like he's a little bit more refined. He he throws a little bit tighter ball. Um, but I think at the end of the day, as a player, I, you know, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. You know, it's like a pick-your-poison type quarterback. Or A-Rod, pick your, you know, we feel com- comfortable with either one. We're going to go win. And we're going to be a Super Bowl contender. So, um, I was just going to say, you talk about being blessed. I mean, there's not many people who have played with two top-level quarterbacks yeah. like you have. Yeah. So, it's not a bad start. Yeah. And, it's again, it's such a treat to – be able just to rub, rub elbows and to have conversations and be in the same breathing airspace as those two, you know, <laughs> you know, it's definitely a treat. And uh, you always remember those moments and you always get to tell those stories of, you know, locker room jokes and, and uh, just roaming the hallways with those two hall of famers. And uh, again, those are experiences that, that are once in a lifetime that only a few people get to experience. And you take, you take those experiences and you hold on to them, you cherish them, you talk about them and, 
And uh, you definitely learn a lot from how they handle themselves again. Um, and not only them, like Je- like Donald Driver, Charles Woodson, Al Harris, there's so many more down the list that you learn from um, as, well, as well as those two uh, prolific quarterbacks. I was just going to say. It's also a very difficult question to answer as well. It is. They are, they are slightly different eras and, and, and the game's changing all the time. Yeah, it is. And, right, you get, I mean, I looked at Brett when he was in the back end of his career. I saw A-Rod in the front end of his career, you know, um, as well as like in the, in the, in the meat potatoes as well. So I'm not sure if it's fair to say because I never saw him in his, in his early years. You know, I saw him in towards, I, told, I saw him when he was 38, 39, 40. You know, um, who knows when he was 23, 24, did, you know, did he look different? I don't know, you know. Um, so it's, it's a tough question to say. As a player that's, that's suiting up with the same jersey as him, I'm like, hey, A-Rod, Brett, let's go. Let's go win a football game. Let's go win a Super Bowl, you know. Good. You, yeah. you alluded to there, obviously, there was a certain Charles Woodson playing cornerback when you arrived in Green Bay. So, mm. like you say, Hall of Famers and people to look up to role models. Charles was definitely up there in the opposition. Yeah. Charles Wilson, again, uh, changing the position of a complete corner, understanding that you're able to cover any receiver out there as well as hit like a linebacker. I think that was a type, type of mentality that he definitely took. And uh, it, it would just create this ripple effect of that, that mentality. You know, you cover any receiver on the football field, but you hit like a linebacker. And we definitely took a lot of pride in that. And we took charge of that room and made sure that every, every cornerback tried to hit, try to hit that standard. And it definitely raised the level of that room to to be better, you know, to not only hit and tackle those running backs, but as well as cover the elite. And uh, you know, it definitely it definitely played a huge role in our success. And so again, it's uh, it was an honor and a privilege to to walk amongst and to wear the same same jersey as he did at the same time, playing on that football field and uh, working together for a common goal. Yeah. I think how you've already answered the question so far, Jarrett, sort of my next one, it sort of totally sums up what I've read. So yeah. I was reading that during most of your time at Green Bay, you were the third choice cornerback and you were on special teams, but you never got unhappy about that position or that role because it was, again, working for the team in that yeah. end goal that you've set your journey on all the way back at high school through oh. your roadblocks and your collisions. Yeah, and it's still that end goal was that I'm a team player. I'm here to win for Green yeah. Bay. It's not individual. Correct. Agreed. Yeah, it's um, you know it was funny. We were talking about that the other day with my dad. We were at breakfast and and when I signed the Green Bay, I was again that disappointment because when I signed the Green Bay, the Packers were four and twelve that last season, and through and so that's just digressing throughout my my high school career. We didn't win much. You know, we went like, you know, three and seven, two and eight, you know, again, like, you know, four and six, you know, we didn't win much. And so understanding when I got to the NFL, I was like, okay, it's time to win. It's time to turn the tables. Like I've, I've taken enough L's, you know, I've learned to lose. It's time to win, right? You've learned, you've, you've, uh, you've learned how to lose and now it's time to turn the tables and let's get to the Super Bowl. And I thought being in the NFL, playing that at that top level, I was going to give me the chance to do that. And playing with the Hall of Fame quarterback, Brett Favre, as well as A-Rod, 
was going to give me the opportunity. And I'm so glad that I, I stuck it, stuck it through, you know, I kept going. And uh, again, playing with those top players like Charles Woodson, Al Harris, um, Ryan Pickett. Um, I can't, I can't talk enough. AJ Hawk, Clay Matthews, BJ Raji, uh, Tremont Williams. Um, there's, there's so many names we're probably not naming. Um, Greg Jennings, John Driver, uh, Jerry Michael Finley, James Jones, Jordy Nelson. I mean, all those guys were a huge factor into that, into that team. Uh, Ryan Grant, I, th- I think he was on the, um, the injured list. Nick Barnett, he, I think, again, he was on the injured list, but he still was a, a crucial part to the team. Um, and then Ted Thompson, right, just bringing me in and trusting, trusting my abilities and um, seeing my resilience and understanding that I was able to, I, was, I came to win. I came to win. So, um, again, huge blessing. And just, you know, I was grateful for the opportunity just to play for the Packers. Yeah, um, that play to win came to Prussian in Super Bowl 45 when your big moment came. Charles Woodson broke his collarbone, I believe, in the first quarter. Uh-huh. And it was like, right, come on, Jarrett, you're on. Yeah. And effectively, in that second quarter, you read probably the most pivotal play of the game of a Roethlisberger's pass. You intercepted it. And then literally the next drive, yeah. Rogers, Rogers played you don't feel to score. So mm. how did... That read, did it just come to you? Did you see it happening in front of you? It was. Yeah, I, I, did, I saw it the night before the game, actually. You know, if you want me to be honest. And you're studying. <laughs> yeah, uh, studying the film, and and it's funny because I missed I missed it during practice, and the route just you know just crossed my face. It just zoomed. I was like, oh man, that was it. Okay. And so when I when I got in the game, it slowed down. The game just slowed down. I was like, okay, this is it. All you got to do is bait the quarterback a little bit. And then when it comes across, flashes your face, go get it. And so I did just that. And um, I'm just blessed again that Dom called that play call for me to, even just, to go to go in and get, go get the ball. Because um, if, he, if he calls a man-to-man uh, defense, I'm, I, can, I don't make that play. And so I think, again, just huge credit to him. Uh, kind of just everything, just trickle-down effect of just the blessing of, of allowing everything to happen and, yeah, you know, I uh, I still imagine holding that ball and feeling the laces and getting up was just what with this roar um, of just emotion because of just proving some of those doubters and understanding that I'm a winner, you know, and that I proved some of the doubters that, you know, that felt like I, that I couldn't do it and publicly put it out there that I couldn't do it. And so it's it's definitely a, a monkey that that jumps. It, ar- off. it erased that chip off the shoulder from not being drafted, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Prove I'm, so, I'm here. Yeah, I have arrived, you know. And um, it's just—I mean, when I when I think about it, it, just makes me smile. And just it's just like walking on water, man. And uh, just uh, but again, I'm just so thankful again to help my team get the turnover, and we're able to capitalize on those points, opp- you know, opportunistically. And a rod. There was, I believe, two more touchdowns after that, you know, to seal the victory for the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, we brought home title town, you know, brought home the Super Bowl to title town. Did the uh, coach or any of the players have anything special to say to you after you'd done that? If you can remember. Um, no, I just mean, I just remember telling my coach, man, like I told you, man, I told you, man, <laughs> man I can do it. I can do it, man. I told you, I told you. And, um, I just hugged my coach after the Super Bowl, man. I was just, I was just so emotional because of 
the prior experiences of losing and the losses and some of the struggles and this those tribulations and the hardship and the hard works, the late nights and the early mornings and the the the, the dreams and the nightmares of you know the fears of failure and um, the risk and uh, you just kind of just lay there exhausted and and just in triumph and it's it's such an emotional overwhelming uh, feeling. You might have laid there exhausted, but I bet, I bet you didn't get much sleep that night. No, I didn't get much sleep last night. That night, I didn't. No, uh, we're we're kind of just. I mean, we're kind of just like in in contentment, you know, a state of contentment. Like, man, we did it. Like, you know, let's go have some fun. Like, <laughs> you know, um, you know, we we didn't we didn't party too hard. We just kind of really talked about it because when after the Super Bowl, you you didn't really talk about the game. You're just so excited. You're celebrating. But it didn't really sink sink in for us, for me, until I started talking about talking about it, the little nuances about the game. Like I remember Charlie Pepper, he got hit in the groin one play. <laughs> we were laughing about that. Um, I think uh, me and me and the other teammate, we were arguing about who was going to go on punt team because they were so exhausted, you know, to go to to go down on punt team and play defense, and so just the physical toll that it took. You know, we were just laughing about it just because in that moment, you don't really think too much. You're just going out there and you're doing it. But when you go back there and you kind of reflect on about the game, that, that, that's, when, that's when it kind of sinks in for you and you start to have, you know, have the jokes and the laughs and the, the memories start to sink in a little bit more. Just, just you, you mentioned, you're talking about the punt, punting side of things. But when I, was yeah. looking, when I was looking for a bit of information on you and um, – I, I came across a thing that you've been described as a kickoff and punt return ace who was mm. highly rated in special teams. I mean, we're here talking about cornerback and stuff, but you were good in the yeah. special teams as well. Yep. Yeah. So we definitely, um, I definitely took a lot of pride in, in the special teams. Uh, it definitely helped solidify a lot of value to my position, to my, uh, again, to just my longevity within the NFL knowing that a lot of people didn't want to take on that role. They were, they kind of write like some, like I think someone, I think you touched on about divas, you know, mm-hmm. they want to be the diva and be the guy. And I definitely feel that that was something that um, they were like, Hey, Jerry, if you want to have some longevity, I think special teams is definitely your ticket. And so I was definitely a role that I embraced and wanted to do. And uh, that was, you know, that was reward of, you know, I, I, I wouldn't take it back for the world. I think being special teams, player was one of the best things uh, I could be and uh, just embracing that role and, and doing the best of my ability, knowing that not too many people could do what I do. And it, it you know, made a great living, it made a great living doing it. And, it. and it got me a Super Bowl, it got me a chance to play with some of the great elite athletes. And as well, I got to play, play defensive back. It wasn't the only position I played. It was just the position where it seemed that where I was able to make a name for myself and create some longevity and value for, for myself. Um, and as well as just add some versatility, I think for having the versatility, knowing that you can play different positions and plug in um, was, was crucial, was huge. Cause I mean, if you only play one position, they can find somebody else to play one, one position. But if you play multiple positions, it, it seemed to, right. It, it expanded your, your versatility and your value. So it made, you, made it harder for you for them to get rid of you. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, you know, so I was like, shoot, okay. So like, okay, they brought okay, they got one guy he could do this, but I can do this, 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 and this, and this. So um 
and I'm so thankful that they cross-trained me and was able to give me a lot more value and uh, just able to plug in, uh, be a plug-in defender and knowing that I could play any position and step in and help my team win. Did your, did your life change after winning the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I mean, because you will forever be known as a Super Bowl champ. And, you know, a lot of people, they talk about, I remember when I was signing autographs, he was like, you know, he was like, son, I want you to take this, I want you to take this moment in because I don't, I don't know the next time that you'll run into a Super Bowl champion. And you look at, if you, I believe we're at Super Bowl 55 or so, or so, I'm not sure how many, what number of Super Bowl this is, but if you think every Super Bowl team, there's been 50, 50 so odd teams that win the Super Bowl with 53, 53 man roster and whatever the population of the nation is, you got to take that population. And it's, that's, that's a fine, that's a fine number of people who have won a Super Bowl. Mm. And, um, and so if you look at, right, if you look at the, the nation or if you look at the world, that's a very small number. And so, yeah, it, it, there are very few. And, uh, you know, that's something that no one can ever take away from you. And just like, because you're one of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of them. So, yeah. But I think going to that, it's a very small amount of people actually make the NFL from how many start in college. So then, like you say, end up actually a Super Bowl winner. So it gets smaller as it goes along. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely something to cherish. It's definitely something something to leverage. And, uh, you know, again, just being blessed, you know, just to inspire people and encourage people uh, to achieve their goals, to achieve their moments. And uh, that's something that I definitely uh, trying to catapult my, my business uh, in speaking as well um, as an athlete, as well as uh, helping people achieve their lifelong, lifelong dreams and uh, as well as personal goals. So that's something that I definitely try to uh, encourage and try to speak life into people because um, it seems like everybody is trying to set a goal. Everybody wants to hit a goal, especially in, in the world today, whether it's personal, whether it's financially, whether it's weight. You know, weight loss or just just in general um and so that's what i love to do and try to create my own my own ripple effect you know and uh, just helping people and inspire and just motivate motivate you know that i'm jared bush the motivator and um you know i you know i sit down with a ton of people just to help them kind of get on the right track and kind of just help them take those action steps towards their goals and build some momentum um as well as develop some some reasons you know just like in the Bible, it talks about when Moses had his rod and his staff, you know, what are your reasons? You know, finding those reasons will help you take care or just help you propel yourself through some of those hardships and some of those trials and tribulations towards your goals. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned that. So obviously, since retiring, you've moved into obviously you've got your own motiv- motivational speaking business mm. and obviously reaches out places. In the last year of everything with the pandemic and stuff, and the changes and how America's changed with, uh, with the pandemic, the new election, everything, have you seen more demand and more people needing help and that guidance of more motivational help? I have. I definitely have just because, especially, right, just in this pandemic, people are taking unemployment versus actually going to work, you know, and um I think they're in a sense of struggling because they know that, right. That's the burden hand is that unemployment check. And hopefully, you know, it's not meant to stay on employment, but it's hope it's kind of help, supposed to help you kind of get back on your feet so you can elevate yourself back up. And so hopefully, you know, yeah, I have been getting a lot more emails and 
just people who reach out who just need to, you know, maybe just like one-on-one or maybe like a group of three or five, you know, or, you know, sales teams who kind of just been hit, you know, really drastically. Um, they've definitely brought me in um, nonprofits to help, you know, hit, hit a certain goal um, for, De- right, for helping families with groceries or just helping maybe help pay for like school supplies or even clothes for kids. And so that's what a lot of people reach out for me um, and just to help, you know, f- raise funds, you know, kind of just connect, connect and, and kind of just hit that, you know, stroke that emotions of, of this is what we're trying to do. This is the goal. This is why we're here. And, you know, try to tell a lot, a lot of my stories that, that connect with people in the sense of, uh, that are privileged with the resources that that are able to help. Is it something you just fell into or is it something you one day you woke up and thought, I'm going to be a motivational speaker? (laughs) No, it's it's definitely something I fell into. Uh, It it definitely wasn't something that I just woke up. Um, I'm dead serious. Like it's, it's people just kept asking me to do it, you know, like, Hey, can you come just talk to this high school? Can you talk to this youth group? Can you come talk to the boys and girls clubs? Can you come talk to Big Sisters and Big Brothers Club, and I was thinking to myself, okay, so how can I make this thing official? You know, so uh, me and my lady, we we put put us up a brand and got a logo. You know, you know, started developing some of the marketing tools and um, was able to start monetizing in a way that you know that people will start able to kind of just email me and kind of book me on a, on a month to month or week to week basis, and I'm able to check in and see how they're doing. You know, see if they're progressing towards their goals and kind of like an accountability, you know, accountability person to see like what they're doing, how they're doing it. Well, are they checking the boxes of, of, of their, of the same directions of, of how they want to go about their goals or what, what steps are, are they taking towards their goals? I think that's really the biggest thing and just keeping them on track. Right. I feel like a lot of people like lose, lose the motivation. Right. Right. Let's just take example of, you know, the, the um, new year's day, right? The weight loss, right? The New Year's resolution. Everybody wants to go buy a gym membership, you know? And so I think a lot of people, they set too big a goal, you know? And for a lot of times, right, they feel like they're not worthy of that goal. And so I really kind of dive deep into like what, what they're really wanting and why they're wanting it. And that's so that I can, I can kind of just pour out my help and my motivation, my inspiration. Because once I understand what their why is, I'm like, okay, this person really cares, because I and I really care. Now, if this person really doesn't really care about what they're doing. Maybe maybe I'm not the right person for them, you know. But I try to find out people who really want to, who really care about themselves and really care about their goals, so that I can better better put forth my full effort and helping them reach their goals. And um, I have to sit down, and talk to them, and, and kind of back, kind of dig a little deeper about you know what they're wanting and what their goal is and why they want it. So um, it's a lot of fun for me. Um, just because you get to know people, you get to connect, engage, and uh, help people ultimately. You know, people who are who are actually struggling, people who you know, who need some help, people who who have a ton of resources, and people who don't have any resources. So it's it's a very wide range of people that I help. Um, just because I'm just want to help, I care, and I love to inspire. It must yeah. be it must be uh, quite quite rewarding to feel that you're giving something back after you've had a successful career in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, hugely uh, fulfilling. It just makes you feel good. And especially when they email you about testimony, like um, a woman who couldn't get pregnant because her stress levels or nutrition wasn't right. Or, you know, maybe 
a husband who just had a drinking issue and now is like starting to work out more and he's on a better track or it's a kid who who wanted to get faster he was a bit overweight and now he slimmed down and now he's on his way to you know just a better high school career and he's you know he's looking looking towards a college career now and those are some of the stories that you love to hear and it just makes you feel so good that you were just able to make an impact and ultimately in within your community and that I think that's that's what I love to do. You know, I think that, and that's your testimony. That is your, that is your impact. And it doesn't matter if you help 50 million people or it doesn't, doesn't you know, or if you help three to five people, because to that three to five people, you made a difference. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if you helped 50,000 people or, or 10, if you help 10 people dramatically and you change the course of their lives to, to a better, better path. I mean, that, that's what life's all about. That's, that's what it's all about. So yeah, definitely. Richard? Yes, Charles? I thought you were going to come in with a question. I was going to ask something. but no, go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask away then. I'll just, yeah, you, you're in there like Flint. Um, <laughs> so, so when did you realise, or what, you know, what was the process when you realising that uh, your, your, your career with the Packers is, is, is coming to an end? What did you, what did you look at doing? Or, or how did things map out? How things panned out? So... I had, I had excruciating pain. I had, I ended up with a sports hernia and it, it was something that was progressive, but wasn't something that was acute in that that was like direct pain that happened on the field at like one moment. It was progressive. It happened over years. And there just came to my ninth year, my final year. And there's this, I could, it was hard for me to just even get up in the morning and each and every day. And, you know, you manned up, I manned up a lot of it and sucked it up. And, um, you know, what? I was like, Jared, you got to finish this last year and whatever it takes. And so I finished up that ninth year. I had, I had surgery and, uh, I think I was pretty exhausted at that moment, you know, just having surgery and being wrapped up in all these bandages and being cut open. But I knew I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm not going to, this is not going to be my last, my last hurrah. So I went and played, uh, in the Canadian Football League after I rehabbed and healed up down in Arizona. Uh, I played for a season there, and I ended up getting cut midseason. Um, and I felt like that was my closure. I felt like that was my closure in the sense of knowing that I wanted to get back to where I was athletically, physically, healthy, mentally, get back on the field. When I didn't want to leave off the field, in the, right? You didn't want to leave off the treatment room, did you? Yeah. you to go back out and have your... right. Dance into the sunset, as I say. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So, yeah, I didn't want to end like that, you know, coming off of surgery. And so uh, once I had that closure, I definitely took some time to take care of my girls. Uh, My girls are now seven and five. They were two and four at the moment when I finished up, I believe. And I took some time just to be a dad, you know, just to take a pause. And uh, I think that was, again, one of the most rewarding, you know, aspects to all, all the hard work was that I get to kind of pause and just be dad, you know, don't have to be anything more, just be dad and be there and be engaged and, you know, change diapers and, and take them to like little soccer league games and, you know, <laughs> and take them to the park and, you know, travel with them. And I think that was, that was uh, very fulfilling as well. And then, um, you know, as I start to get older, I started to get the itch to kind of get back into it. And the speaking business definitely, um, you know, came a knocking, you know, like I said, it's not something that I, I woke up wanting to do. It was just something that I kind of fell into. So. 
with you saying you wanting to get back into it, I was going to, one of the questions I was just thinking about asking you was obviously, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether you missed the game or not, but have you ever thought about getting back into the actual game and uh, maybe coaching or anything like that? Yeah, I thought about it. You know, I did the coaching internship and it definitely seemed something that I wanted to do. I think the the time demand for coaching in the college and as well as the NFL ranks are hugely committed. You know, it's a, there's a huge commitment to that, you know, waking up at six and then going home at 10 a.m., 10 p.m. Uh, I think your, your kids only grow up once and I wanted to be there for my kids. And so that was kind of just the option that I took is, you know, just being a dad and having two little girls, I wanted to be there. And uh, I just value being a father, I guess, more than an NFL coach, I guess. And maybe when I get older, maybe that's something that I can do down the road. But as of now, you know, with my kids being so young, I definitely want to be there, you know. No, that's great. But you've definitely got, uh, you know, that is great. But yeah. you've got time. I'm forgetting you because I'm an old man. You've got time <laughs> on your side still. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely get some some questions asked to, to do some volunteer positioning uh, coaching and I do some speed coaching as well, speed and agility coaching for kids. So I definitely have that itch to uh, to coach. Uh, I, I think just making sure that my time, you know, and flexibility definitely goes towards my kids is definitely a priority. So, but you still follow the game, I take it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely follow the game. You know, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be upset with doing some co- sports commentary as well. I definitely feel that there's a niche there as well, just understanding and knowing the the finer details of what the game brings and being inside inside the game and understanding like the little nuances, the intricacies of the game and the schematics as well as what the player is thinking versus the coaches and what the GMs are thinking and understanding like what, how that all plays a role. Uh, and so it's a lot of fun. You know, talking football is, is, you know, as a football player, right. That's just what we do. You know, we could do that night and day. Do with your eyes shut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, if that were to come down the pipe, too, I, mean, I would definitely would love to, you know, kind of jump into that as well. Um, but right now, I definitely uh, the motivational speaking takes a lot of my time. And um, maybe down the road, you know, I can jump into the sports casting. Next time I'm, next time I'm speaking to Matt LaFleur, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll put a good word in for you. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> He'll say who? Yeah, right? <laughs> who me, not who you. <laughs> That's when he unblocks your Charles from all the previous attempts to get through to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, following the game still, Jarrett, how do you think Green Bay have been and going into this year? Obviously, very close last two seasons. They're all, are they almost Super Bowl ready again? And is it all hinging on potentially what's going on with Aaron at the moment? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, um, with Aaron, Aaron, uh, man, I just, it's it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch. I hope everything can get back to what was what and what is what is still is. And um, I think Aaron Rodgers is frustrated. He definitely wants another Super Bowl. So the, so does the Packers. The Packers want another Super Bowl. I think the the franchise that kind of sum it up, the sum it up, the gist of it, you know, you, you, I think we can dive into, it. we can talk about it until <laughs> until midnight, and we'd still be not clearer, <laughs> right? So the the Packers, the Packers are looking out for the franchise and the Super Bowl. Aaron's looking out for the Super Bowl. 
Does that make sense? So, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so the franchise is looking out for the draft picks to take kind of take the reins as soon as A-Rod kind of, you know. Aaron's looking at the clock, isn't he? His brain right. career. Right. Left. Right. And so A-Rod's looking at, like, right now. Let's go win right now. Like, can I get some pieces to win? If you're not helping me get the pieces to go win, well, I got to go I gotta go somewhere else. And yeah, I'll, I know that, that sounds fair, but I got to do what's best for, for me in my career and want to go win the Super Bowl. Now, it's kind of upsetting because the Packers aren't willing to cooperate with Aaron and understanding like, hey, we want to win the Super Bowl too. And so that's where I'm that's where I'm kind of confused on like what's the communication like? Like why are you guys not helping this guy go win the Super Bowl? That's what he wants. Why are you guys not like helping massage that relationship to help win the Super Bowl? Because that's ultimately what you want too. You're just looking out for the for the future of the franchise as well. So that when A-Rod does or if he gets hurt, you he, you're, you guys are able to pass the reins over to the next guy. And that's where I feel like there's some miscommunication or it just you know, they're not willing to help him out or they're not willing to listen into giving him the pieces that he needs to go win the Super Bowl, just like Tom Brady. And I think A-Rod should, there should be some humility in A-Rod as well. I think it's tough right now for him because he sees how Tom Brady's winning. He went to Tampa Bay. He got all the pieces that he wanted. He was like, Gronk, sign Gronk. He was like, let's sign Leonard Fournette. Let's sign uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown and let's go win. And he won. So everybody's like, why can't I do it? Why can't I do it? If he can go do it, why can't I do it? And I think, you know, everybody has their own path. You know, sometimes, you know, you can't do what Tom Brady does. You got to only do what A-Rod does. You got to do how A-Rod does it, not what Tom Brady did. Yes, a lot of people try to copy what they do. And they try to think that that's the blueprint. That's the blueprint for success. You go in there, you go in the front office, you tell them what to do, and you get it, and you go in. Well, that's not how Green Bay does it. And I think that's where he's hitting that roadblock, right? And that's where they're, hitting, that's where they're clashing. And that's where it's like, well, okay, you don't want to give me what I want. Like they, like Tom Brady did, fine, I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to find somebody who's going to give me that. You know, I, wonder, I, wonder, I wonder how much of what happened with Tom Brady when he went to the, the books is playing on Roger's mind, which perhaps it wouldn't have been if Tampa Bay hadn't won the Super Bowl this season. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. So I've confused myself over this one. (laughs) Tom Brady left the Pats, went to the the Bucks and straight away won a Super Bowl with a brand new team. Now, if if that hadn't have happened, Rogers would have probably been quite happy staying at Green Bay. But he's now seen somebody who can go from one team to another and immediately win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, he, went, and he went to a team, what, Tampa weren't really setting the world alight before right. Tom Brady got there. Yeah, and they weren't even the playoff team when Tom Brady got there. And turn around turn around and Super Bowl contender. So can Rodgers, do, can Rodgers do that? It seems possible. I mean, if you get the right GM who's willing to work with you, it seems like it. You know, so it's like, you know, Tom, again, if you have a willing GM that's willing to work with you, I think John Elway, I think he's a former quarterback. He understands that you need pieces as well as you need somebody, you need some collaboration. You need help. You can't do it by yourself. So he needs to help to do that. And I think John Elway is giving him the opportunity to go do it. And uh, more power to him, man. You can't, you can't knock 
somebody who's trying to piece together a championship, it's almost a sense of the NBA where they get right. They get these super players and they get this kind of just recruit players, just like what, like uh, the Cavaliers, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Now Brooklyn Miami. Nets are doing it as well. Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Brooklyn Nets where the Kevin Durant, J- uh, James Harden. I just saw James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Um, and I think there's one more. Yeah. So it, it seems that the, the NFL and the professional teams are, are turning into these super teams to go win. And that's just the nature of the beast now, you know, and you need help. You need help. You need front office help. You need player help. And you need the coaches you know, to go win Super Bowl. So um, I, think, I think one of uh, Roger's greatest assets or facets is this ability to make decisions on the fly. And I think one of the big problems with the books game was that you saw that he was almost having his wings clipped and he wasn't able to make the decisions he wanted to make. And I think that's a lot of what's been carried over into, into why he's thinking of looking elsewhere. Because he's fed up getting his wings clipped. Correct. Yeah. And a little bit of diva. I think he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. Or right? he didn't get the receivers that he wanted. Or he didn't get some of the positions that he wanted, you know. But I think he's just got to be more aware of, like this, like, this is how the Packers do things, you know. You know, that every franchise is going to work like Tampa, mm. you know, like, right. It seemed like Tom Brady had to move. He had to move himself right to Tampa to be able to do that, to get the pieces that he wanted. And so that that's what, you know, he's has, he's having to do, make a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice for some of the blessings that you want or some of the goals that you want to hit. And ultimately that's the sacrifice he's willing to do. He's willing to sacrifice the relationship or not sacrifice, but kind of just, okay, you know, End, end the career, you know, upwinding uh, in an NFC championship. It's 16 golden years here at Green Bay. We had a great run. You know, you guys are such a – thank you for the wonderful opportunity, you know, for, to play here at the Green Bay Packers in the frozen tundra, title town, once in a lifetime opportunity. And, and tie the knot, tie the bow, you know, and, and, and move on, move on to the next team, you know. Um, Don't leave it messy in, in New York. Yeah. Just do it, like you say, amicably. Yeah, right. And so, um, and people will be heartfelt and just like, oh, okay, he's very thankful. Like, he, you know, we, he has to do what he has to do, you know, as, you know, wants to win the Super Bowl. And they might have, they might have their opinion of like, he should have stayed and, you know, we want him here and this and that. But ultimately, he's A Rod. He's got to make a decision for him and uh, his career. So, and, you know, I think a lot of people will definitely be, um, lot more genuinely appreciative of of his leaving versus kind of disappointed or dis or right disgruntled so what does super bowl 45 winner jarrett bush think is going to happen is is he going to stay or is he going to go put you on the spot (laughs) what do you think you don't have to answer July, I think. Since it's still it's since it's still May, he can make the move. I think you go. If you're gonna go, you gotta go now. Yeah. You gotta get in, you gotta get in with the organization, understand, right? You have to go through the OTAs, go to the right through the mini camps. You can't let it linger. Mm-mm. If you're gonna move, you gotta go now. 
so you can get in and understand the organization, how they work, get the pieces that you need, go through training camp and do all that. Learn the playbooks. You've got to go now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, right, you got to build chemistry with the team. Like, you got to go now. If, you, if there's any type of patient, if there's any type of weight, he's going to stay. It's funny, when I asked you that question, you went really quiet for a long time. <laughs> yeah. People, if, people, if people are watching the video of this, they'll see that, yeah. you, they'll see that you're thinking about it. If they're, if they're listening to the podcast, they'll think you've gone home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always thought, like, any indecision, you pause. If there's any yeah. type of emotion, yeah. you pause, you know? It just, it just made me chuckle. That was all. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I definitely, I'm a firm believer, like, if he's going to go, he's got to go soon, mm. you know? If, if there's a, maybe if there's another two months that goes by, he'll stay. It's, in, it's interesting because, you know, we're not hearing anything at the moment, and it's nice to speak to someone who knows a little bit more than we do, or probably a yeah. lot more than what we do, to hear your thoughts on it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Because if, if he was a football player over here, the media, I mean, it's probably the same over there, but the media would be going wild and it'd be headline news every day, you know, is he staying, is he going? And and yet, nothing's been said about it, really. It's all very quiet. Yeah. Well, they said, they also said that they won't trade him either. So it's like, okay, you won't trade me. Well, I guess I got to stay, you know, type deal. So um, he just, uh, he just wants, he wants to trade. And so they won't trade him. So it's, I think ultimately he'll stay. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to have these stories in the close season as well because there's not so much happening. So you want a few uh, few big <laughs> stories for doing the rounds. Give us something to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Does. Um, but yeah, obviously, Jarrett, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, I just want to ask one more question: If you can take anything from your time in the career, what would it be? It doesn't have to be a Super Bowl win. It could be anything. What? What do you look back at? It's like, yeah, I like that moment. There's one, there's one moment? Just one moment, yeah. It doesn't have to be a Super Bowl. It can be any moment. What you look back on? I think uh, probably the walk-off interception against, um, it was 2012 against the Falcons. And it was snowing. And the Falcons came came in the Lambo, and it was two minute drill. And I think we were up. I forget the score. I knew we were up by. They needed a touchdown to win. A field goal to tie it, and they're, they're trying to get in the field field goal position. And it was about twenty degrees or so. And um, Matt Ryan threw a corner route, and I jumped the corner, and he threw it a little. He threw it as a laser versus like giving it some loft, and I jumped it. And uh, when the when the clock hit zero, or I think it was maybe like thirty seconds left, and I jumped it and picked off and uh, walked off the field on that interception to uh, solidify our team going to, to the playoffs because we were close and not even going. And uh, that win solidified that playoff berth. And uh, I think that was just a wonderful feeling, man, just to change the moment, change the momentum, and and uh, bring so much electricity to Lambeau Field. On that end, was uh, like. You did it, man. Like you did, yeah, you came through. Like you were held accountable, and you came through for your teammates and as well as the team. And uh, it just makes you feel good, man. There's nothing like it. Like when you come through and uh, someone's counting on you, and someone's relying on you, um, and you know you're there. You come through, 
And I think that's one of the biggest moments that uh, I take from my career because um, I gave it to my daughter when I came when I came home because I told her I told her the day of I was like I'm gonna get it I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a pick for you okay and she was like okay and uh, I held on to that ball until I got home and I was able to get her man picked her up man and uh, that's those, those moments that man you can never you can never uh, just take for granted man and you always cherish it so I think that's a moment that I definitely will hold on to. Yeah, Let's not forget, twenty degrees in America is pretty cold. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, because because you are far, you are Fahrenheit, which we used to have, but we're now Celsius. So twenty degrees Celsius over here is okay. pretty warm. That's a nice summer for us. So when really? you say twenty degrees, everyone oh, over okay. here is thinking, "Oh, it's not so bad." But twenty degrees Fahrenheit is cold. It, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. You get Celsius, huh? Yeah. What's the temperature there? We're about, we're probably about 20 degrees yeah. Celsius at the moment, which is about, roughly, it's about 70 degrees. Oh, okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice, but it won't last. <laughs> no, no, We can, as Brits, as Brits, we can talk about the weather all day long, so just, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, on behalf of myself, Charles, and the first down Snapcast, Jarrett, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on tonight, and hopefully at some point we can hook up with you again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, if you guys could shoot me a, a piece of uh, of the segment too, that'd be great through the email. Yeah, I'll send you something. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Appreciate it, Richard. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, I appreciate Cheers. it. Charles. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Thank you. It's been good. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Take care. is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.